welcome to another episode of the Evolution Exchange podcast. Today I'm joined by Jade, Kenneth and Pierre to discuss our topic of how do you innovate to meet future business needs. Before we get into it, let's work our way around the room with some quick introductions. So Jade, do you want to start us off? Yes, of course. I'm uh, Jade Haye, work for Vulcan, a consultant company uh, specialised in digitalization. Um, transformation programs uh, regarding the use of data analytics and AI. And I'm mainly focusing on um, how companies could innovate and use, again, uh, data analytics and AI in the most suiting way to get the most efficient solutions and products for their clients and uh, in general improving their way of working. Perfect. Next up, Kenneth, do you want to go ahead? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thank you. My name is uh, Kenneth Wallstrop. I'm working for LP Insurance, which is a local Danish mutual insurer. Uh, I head up the team that is called the Data and Knowledge Center, and we uh, try to create insights, data-driven insights into uh, claim situations so we can help uh, the members we have to uh, uh, avoid claims uh, so they don't happen for them. Perfect. And finally, Pierre, do you want to go ahead? Yes, thank you. My name is Per Wojciechowski and uh, I've been with Bestas for the last five years. I'm currently in, in the position of um, lead data engineer. And that's also why my perspective on today's topic is more from the inside out. So me and my team, we are trying to actually innovate and find those innovative, uh, innovative analytic, analytical or data solutions. So not so much how to manage innovation in general, but more like how can we as a team uh, yeah, bring our our organization forward? Great. Well, it's nice to have two different aspects of the, the conversation here and seeing it from both sides. Hi, everyone. This is Chris Bennett here, the Nordics Managing Director here at Evolution. We're committed to doing recruitment in a different way that adds value to both our clients and candidates by providing you with amazing speakers and leading edge discussions on what's going on in the tech scene at the moment. There are three reasons why you should contact me. If you would like to speak on a future podcast, if you are interested in hiring awesome tech data product or gaming freelancers for your business, or if you are looking for an exciting new organization to work with, please get in touch. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast. Now that we have established a bit of context to everyone, let's move into our topic, which is how do you innovate to meet future business needs? So each of you have sent over a question or a subtopic that relates to our topic today. And as usual, what we'll do is work around the room with each of you, allow you to elaborate on your question or topic, and then everyone will have the opportunity to give their take on the scenario or the situation. Um, so first of all, we will, well, firstly, I think it makes sense to come to you, Jade, um, because yours is more about the approach to innovation, um, mm -hmm. such as how they're managed on a company-wide scale. So do you want to go ahead and maybe elaborate a little bit more for us? Um, yes, of course. Uh, I think it also is a great addition to uh, what Pierre said in his introduction as well, is how do you um, set up the right teaming or governance to get the most um, or the best of efficient solutions, uh, innovative solutions. So it's about, um, I have experienced now at companies that they have more a centralized innovation team um, with a few people in the team that are just sort of generating ideas. 
there is a more decentralized that are they call it sometimes uh, let's say the innovation ambassadors around the company and those they collect also uh, ideas for innovation from the different areas within an organization um but also the specialists in the field of data analytics how do you grasp or how do you use their knowledge and melt that with the business specialists to get the most and the best innovative solutions in the most efficient way and i was curious how um what are your experiences with that and what is working um, the best for your organization or in your experience Kenneth, do you want to go ahead and start off with this one yeah absolutely i can uh, i can try and explain how we've organized the innovation process here um we have a centralized team um uh, a centralized uh, innovation team so um and we have that sort of subdivided into an insights team, which is the team that I head up. We have uh, what we call the exploration team, which has uh, mm -hmm. sort of starting their starting point is sort of the the problems that we see having uh, that our members have in the claim situation. And they try to build a concept on the back of that and, and uh, sort of develop ideas to solve the problem. Then we have a venturing team that will uh, scale the concept that comes out of the exploration team uh, and yeah. try to sort of have a pilot project and see if it uh, works in reality all the time, validating whether this is uh, desirable for the for the members uh, and for the solutions that sort of get all the way through. We also have a, a scaling team of a couple of people who try to scale the solutions uh, into the um, into the business as a whole. Um, and initiatives, sort of uh, the operational involvement of the rest of organization comes when uh, the ideas hit the uh, the venturing team because they also get involved in the um, in the um, uh, yeah they get involved in um, in the pilot projects as well. Mm -hmm. um, so so that's uh, that's how uh, how we do it, and we also sort of on a continuous level involve. Key stakeholders across the organization, but so the, the 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 mass involvement comes in the venturing venturing part of what we do. Um, like first of all, I think it's a really interesting question, right? Because it's kind of like, uh, in my opinion, um, innovation can't really be forced. Like, it's really hard hard to force it in some way. So if is there like a operating model or organizational structure is now, for example, like you have implemented, can that actually can foster innovation more than the traditional, like if it just happens, basically, right? I think it's really, really interesting question. And and what I have fear from my experience or what I've seen uh, um, investors, uh, it's all about these diverse collaborations, like being uh, working across teams, working across functions and learning kind of from other people within the organization, like the best ideas we have had have been come like they've been coming to us when we were at factory visits or at, or at construction site. And I know this is now we have physical products, so it might be different for insurance and others. But I feel like every time we have talked to the actually people that has always like really helped us to to form these ideas and then bring them further. But I, I would also be really interested in one question to you, Ken, and maybe we can take that afterwards. But if I would be interested in now that you have a centralized innovation center, like is that the only place where you kind of focus on innovation or what do you do like outside of that uh, that center? What if I'm not in the center and I have a 
idea? Do I get to the innovation center and uh, pitch it, or how does that work uh, for you guys? Should I should I answer that or yeah, okay? Yeah. Um, so to me, uh, it's just to to have a separation be- between ideas that come up and who should develop those ideas into concepts and actual uh, projects and and uh, uh, deliverables that that will hit uh, our members. So our team is ideas can come from anywhere in in the team. I think there are some systematic processes that you can follow that will uh, that will make you come up with ideas, but other than that ideas can come from across the business. We will also involve different parts of the business from specialists who know more about, for example, repairing buildings or repairing cars. They'll know much more about that than we do. So we will involve that them in the sort of the idea generation uh, meetings. So yep. to me, it's more about being responsible from taking problems and ideas and developing them into actual solutions that will hit the members. That is That is more the the sort of the responsibility that I feel that we have as a centralized unit, while the the ideas can come from uh, from anywhere, uh, as, as, I, as you as you describe. Can I ask then something specifically about this first part of, like sometimes you get many many ideas your way, right? So how do you capture that? How do you filter the right one? That's sort of the phase that where the centralized team comes in, but capturing the ideas uh, meaning. Um, do you have sort of pointed out a few ambassadors or a few people within all the different departments of your organization that sort of capturing ideas, then they come back to the centralized team? Or do you say, okay, this quarter we focus on one specific department, then we take specialists that will join our centralized team, and then we uh, focus on that area to innovate there? Like, it's, So my question is more about how do you sort of team up to capture the ideas that will be then that's where the specialist is needed say like that yeah it, it, yeah um so what we do is that uh, first off i think we're not a huge organization so so it's it's not like everybody knows everybody but we're not on multiple sort of geographical sites we are at one site so mm-hmm. so people know that we're there uh, or they be, know people who have been working with us so they will share their information that way. We also have an idea box where you can send in your information. We do presentations yeah, across the yeah. business also, and we get some input from there. Um, but I think we could do more of, uh, it's also a question of whether you, do we push solutions or do we pull solutions from the organization and di- redistribute them? I think we do mostly push I think we could do more of pull and activate the organization as a whole and get more ideas in. Uh, right now, it's more of an ad hoc piece, basis when we're in a meeting or a conference or something. People come to us and say, you should consider doing this, or I had this experience yesterday, maybe you could use that. Um, so it's it's more informal and ad hoc as it works right now. Um, so, but, but still, I think the, the sort of development process makes sense for us to have that centralized to sort of make the ideas mature into solutions and does that make sense maybe also to to combine what you just said and what uh beer said before uh beer you said that we go and see what were people working on the on the work floor that don't know if i phrase it in the right way mm. but you go to them to see what's going on then you use your own knowledge like your yes. uh, data and analytics knowledge 
and then you come up with solutions. Um, in my experience now, we're also pushing on uh, more data and analytics, AI literacy. So mm. people in the whole organization have the knowledge of, okay, how, what is data? How can mm. I use it? Um, oh, what is AI exactly? And what has it for potential for our organization? So the ideas that come up have sort of more potential. Is that something you all uh, also work on the whole uh, more the literacy so everybody in an organization needs to have knowledge on these different topics um, uh, yes. so it would increase the potential of the innovation ideas they come up with yeah but i think it's also i mean you sort of have to control the flood so to speak uh, yeah. if we open up everything we will also get a lot of input and we need to have that shown to us sort of in a controlled way so when we say we would like some input on some some specific area mm -hmm. of the business that we would like to improve then we will call for that information at that point in time but if everybody has a say about anything at any time then yeah. it will be very blurry and and uh, and harder for us to sort of to sort of uh, mature the ideas uh, through the funnel um from for the for the thing about the data i think for us there's a big difference between difference between data and and uh, and insights we try to translate the data into something that's more actionable and some general views on for example a um, um a claim situation we have had a lot of benefit of doing text analysis on the descriptions that the members have when a, when a claim happens there is a description in a sort of text mm. bit and we use that as input into understanding uh, what types of things can go wrong what has happened to you before a claim happens and we know about the distribution we can do that to a large scale when we do uh, text analysis but we also need to translate that output into something that the sort of less data literate people the business people that is actually that they understand that they, they can use yeah just wanted to touch on one uh, thing that i uh, recognize when you when you said kind of that like the people informally come up to you during conferences and then uh, mm. pitch the ideas for example right and i i, I think that is great because mm -hmm. um a couple of years back we have had a initiative i was in a different part of the organization but there it was actually like a really like strict process in terms of how ideas should move up the ladder and mm. uh, there would be a board like uh, okay and then we filter the ideas and these go on to management and so on um, but with that kind of um, more defined process it also gets more cumbersome for mm. people like me like uh, the innovative guy in i don't know in in sales uh, to actually submit these um, these ideas, right? Because suddenly you have to fill out a form that has all kinds of different aspects with, okay, how much hours do you estimate this to? Or, yeah, uh, the, what expected uh, benefits all, and business case and all that stuff. Yeah, exactly. So you kind of like, you you don't bother, like uh, like in the worst case scenario, right? But it's it's really like, I really think it is a balance between this formal processes and the informal way of just communicating communicating ideas because that's at least what we found out during that process okay this is actually not really working because nobody has the time to submit these ideas anymore uh, because there's so much process around it mm. yeah 
Yeah, I agree. I agree. You have to sort of balance it. So you you uh, because you can't you can't just say, well, anybody just give any input from anywhere across the business. But ideally, that is what you want, because anybody can come up with an idea or have a, a relevant input and then you will take it into your process and see where it takes you. Um, I think it's also sort of a calibration of expectations uh, in the sense that if people give an idea to me, I can't guarantee them that it will become a concept. Uh, I, I also have to sort of uh, calibrate the expectation saying, thank you for your input. Maybe it will become something. Maybe it will be an input down the line. It can be a few years or it can be something we you do straight away. But if people, like, you can you can get disappointed if you feel you come with a really great idea and we don't pick it up and develop it into a concept. So we have also have to, to tell people, Thank you for the input, but I can't guarantee you that it, it becomes something because not not everything becomes a solution that we serve to the members. And then deciding which of the ideas, because you said there are some sort of idea box. Yeah. Um, and then you need to decide, of course, OK, we will go forward with one, two and three and the rest. We cannot do it because we based it on some sort of criteria in what yeah. could have what have what has the potential and what doesn't is that also something that you give then as feedback or is it more of a thank you we will take it in consideration and then when you move forward the centralized team will pick it up or mm. would you include the one who came up with the idea uh we uh, for the idea box specifically i mean not all ideas come through the idea box it's it's sort of mm -hmm. more to have a channel for people yeah. across the business yeah, to come up with with input for that mm -hmm. uh, i think the main part of the the areas so the ideas come up in a more formalized process where we start off and saying which are the largest areas of claim costs where are there solution technical solutions that we can use and try to sort of build on on that that's where the sort of main part of the of the solutions come from but specifically for the idea box we when when an idea comes in we write back and say thank you for that um if we know right away that it's not feasible we will tell the person that gave the input. Uh, mm -hmm. Sometimes it's not specifically for us. It can be about uh, the products, the insurance terms and conditions. Then we will uh, share that information with other parts. Uh, it could be system development or, yeah, as I say, product. It could be anywhere across the business. So, um, But for, for the ideas that end up hitting us, we will sort of say that comes in and then use it as part of the input into the, the, the processes that we do to, to create ideas and solutions. Mm -hmm. Jade, I was just going to ask, was there anything else within your question that you would hope and were hoping to find out a little bit more about today? Um, yeah, maybe also, Kenneth, then you said the idea box is not the only thing how we sort yeah. of capture ideas. I was mm -hmm. just curious, what are the other ways? Um, yeah, well, sometimes um, our ambition is to have uh, what we call technical solutions. So that would be devices uh, that can measure, for example, water spill or have sensors or alarms and all sorts of technical stuff. And some sometimes people across the business will come across a solution like that. There's loads, loads of devices from a lot of places and they will share that device with us, just send an email to us and say, I come across this device, would that be interesting to develop that into a solution? So that's one way that things can come yeah. up. It can also be somebody who was at a conference somewhere and they heard somebody else did something smart. Um, or it can be somebody who was out handling a claim. They went out to talk to somebody who had a fire or something and they came up with the, 
with an idea at that point and then they send it to us so you can it doesn't have to come through the idea box it can come yeah, from, from from pretty much everywhere inside and outside the business uh, also we more, we will oh. use the costs the claims cost that we have as as an input to the business case so we'll try to focus on the areas that are sort of they're the most expensive and that sounds like we're very bottom line driven and that's not the case it's more about mm -hmm. having its priority is saying this will be a solution that will be relevant for a lot of people yeah. yes exactly yeah. and and just one quick question how many people uh, how, how, well out of how many people does the centralized team exist the centralized team is about i think at this point in time 15 to 20 people oh wow um and the analysis team that I head up is uh, we are uh, three to four people, depending on how you count. And the other teams are like maybe five or six. Um, okay. Yeah. Thank you. Actually, I have one question for you, Jade. Um, I think like you with the, with the consulting background, uh, I would assume you have seen a lot of different companies out there trying to innovate and so I would be um, interested in hearing, like, what what approach do you see the most? Like, is that centralized, like, innovation hubs kind of within the organization, or is it is it something else? And also, what what do you like? If you would could say in general, like, advise most of your clients if they ask you, hey, how can we innovate better, more? Um, more efficient. Nice question. Um, the first part of what I see the most um, is uh, actually the centralized team. And then I would say there's a split between um, like it's a diverse centralized team. So you get different views and opinions on the ideas they generate. And then there's also the push and the pull. So the push is more on in internal as well so the push to the business units saying this could be something is this something and then the idea behind that is um the business might not know what is possible so we can show them examples as a um, as this could be an idea and then that also pops up uh, new ideas as sort of feedback from the business um so a centralized team and then on one hand that that's also why i has that the the question before the ambassadors so they have sort of bi-weekly sessions with these ambassadors to capture the ideas so everybody within the different business units can go to those people who are sort of the innovation ambassadors they capture the ideas and this is all before it goes into the funnel and the funnel is managed by the centralized team that's how they mostly capture the ideas and that could be an idea box or whatever how the ambassador decides to capture that um, so it's a combination of centralized and decentralized to to capture most. Um, what I would advise um, your second part of your question is really the um, if people within the organization are more literate. So for what's literate is understanding and knowing how to use data with analytics and eventually AI. So um, if you're a specialist on the work floor or or yeah, whatever where you work in an organization and you grasp the or you have a better understanding of of what data analytics and ai is you can also see how it could have value for the part you work on within your organization so eventually the solutions you come up with are smarter in the sense of we still need to filter it of course but the potential of great ideas becomes higher in my opinion and also the collaboration between the different 
the units and that that decentralized and centralized teams becomes more easy because people understand each other better when they talk about innovation in the field of data analytics. So sort of first start with getting the knowledge in your whole company and then uh, capture the ideas, I would say. Uh, Kenneth, you have a question. Yeah, I just wanted to comment on it and I'd be really interested in hearing your view on this because I think in my view, Coming up with ideas is not the hard part. The hard part is identifying which ideas to develop and the actual execution of that. I think that's that's what is really time consuming and also what is really hard. Uh, because as soon as you get towards the end, you have to do system implementation. You have to have your organization believe that this is a good solution. And you've, maybe you work with this solution for a year or maybe even longer uh, to try to develop it into an actual solution. And that is what is the hard part for me. That is sort of the daily grind of moving initiatives forward and making them into a solution that that the members like in in our case and that the employees also uh, think are attractive for the for the consumers and that's only a small proportion of all the ideas that come up so sort of identifying and find finding ideas is actually to me the easiest part the hard part is sort of moving through the funnel interesting you say that because when looking into the ideas Part. A lot of it is, and maybe saying it in a harsh way, but it's also sort of noise. It's not something that could potentially be or go into a concept phase, right? Mm. So um, if someone comes up with an idea and they understand better uh, what data is, how they can use it within their own organization, all the steps you need to go to to go from a proof of concept to production mm. and maybe not in a detailed level but have some grasp of understanding how that works then the noise is less and also the conversation going through the funnel with all the different partners that you need to work with will mm. become more easy because people understand better what we're all working on mm. um and i also agree it's it's one part of the whole funnel and going into the funnel it's 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 way harder especially going from i would say proof of concept to production Mm. um but i'm also curious what you think of that but if people understand and um know the the effort it takes or the impact of what they try to sort of their idea they will think about it in a smarter way before they will come to you instead of okay great i hear the word ai it looks great it can improve my process and that's what we want to do some something like that right so mm. the the ideas also become smarter i don't say that people are not smart of course because you actually need a specialist to create solutions that are smart um but adding the knowledge of the direction you want to move into with your innovation to their sort of um mind will improve yeah i i think you're right but i don't think we do it uh enough to get to that level currently Mm -hmm. Uh, so um and also because a lot of sort of a lot of the criteria that we have for moving a solution forward is more of feasibility and desirability so we on desirability we that's the focus out will the members like this solution so mm-hmm. we keep on validating a concept and find out if the members will find it attractive. Yeah. And also feasibility is just that, can we actually do an implementation that will work in real life? Um, and it's also opportunistic in a sense 
that we don't have a specific very closed area saying this is where we want to move forward in development. It could be a data solution, it could be a device, it could be a fire extinguisher, it could be anything um, that we will sort of push to the members to to get uh, to get so, to create value for them. So so I think it's also so 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 it, it's harder for us to make a straight line that we work on and can communicate to the rest of our organization because but i think that you're right if we were able to do that i think we would get ideas from them that would be better qualified to fit into that direction that we were taking it so so do you have on on the strategic level then the sort of topic as focus so in q1 and 2 we will focus on growth or on whatever what so you can because talking about innovation of everything is a lot. So you mm, sort of scope yeah. it down to a focus where the company wants to move, like the direction the company wants to move into. Is that something that you do to filter all the ideas that come your way? Is a sort well, of first we don't gate? we don't do it like that currently because we um I, I think there would be benefits from doing that, but I think we would also maybe limit ourselves into being uh, able to move fast. If we have, if we sort of stumble upon an idea or a concept that we say we want to, uh, we want to develop this, we want to be able to sort of uh, throw down down everything else and move towards that, um, and and to have that agility, if you will, uh, to be able to move towards a, a specific concept and the one that looks most promising. But I think you're right. The price we pay for that is that if we if we were able to say. Q1 we work with cars, Q2 we work with yeah. uh, houses, Q3 we work with uh, uh, health, what do I know, bicycles, uh, we would be able to control the idea input in a better way. It's sort of complex. So that would, it would just be a different is, way of doing it. It's a, it's a, yeah, a complex sort of playing field, um, as, as Pierre also said, of all the whole process you need to go through that's sort of demotivating or let's say killing the creative process of innovation. Yeah, but on exactly, the other yeah. hand, leaving everything open and then guiding it that you actually get some value out of it. Mm. It's a thin line between the two. Yeah, Do you both that's, experience that's that as well? I think that's pros and cons for for both approaches. That mm -hmm. you, If you want to keep the agility, it will become more blurry of where you want to go. But And if you set up a very strict and communicated so a prioritization in Q1 will do this and Q2 will do that. You lose uh, sort of the, the maneuverability of uh, changing uh, directions towards something that can be promising. And the, sometimes you want to move fast towards something so mm -hmm. nobody else gets it. It's exactly true. Yeah. I think we should let this lead into another question, which was from yourself, Kenneth. Yeah. Um, and basically, you wanted to discuss a little bit about how do you measure the value created in the innovation process, which is basically a process with high risk and volatility in results. Do you want to go ahead and mm. maybe elaborate more for us? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, um, yeah, as, as we have been talking about, innovation is sort of or can be separated from the rest of the business, so, but you still have to justify the investment that comes your way. So how do you measure the value that you create in that? Do you use sort of standard business KPIs or do you use something different uh, entirely? Um, and also a thing that I've heard other people do is that the ideas or the concepts that you come up with and maybe not scale, that you will share them with the rest of the business and you also consider that 
to be part of your value creation for for the business. So I just wanted to understand how um, how you have been uh, been working uh, to to sort of justify or show the value you've created in a way that the non-innovation, non-data people, uh, so so they can they can get the, that picture as well. Yeah, yeah, I can uh, try to elaborate a little bit on how how we are trying to measure it, uh, as, at least when we are implementing yeah AI solutions uh, within the our area and it is difficult and uh, you need kind of more like a holistic approach because usually a financial metric in terms of okay how much revenue does this increase it's really hard because there's so many layers especially in larger organizations right so what we kind of do uh, is first of all doing continuously assessments so it's not like a Okay, this is project start, this is project end. At the end, we got to measure, okay, how, how did we do with this innovation? It's going to be uh, like basically, yeah, in, in a continuous way, kind of assessing, okay, are we still uh, are we still thinking there's some value creation here? Are we still um, increasing customer satisfaction or like uh, is the utilization of the product um, yeah, increasing? So these kind of metrics, especially the utilization is one that we are using a lot uh, mm -hmm. because usually it's some kind of yeah, data product in the end that we expose to, to our internal customers. So it's a really easy way to kind of show, okay, this is getting adopted more and more while we are iterating and adding features to it that uh, that i requested so usually we just tr start out with a skeleton if we do some kind of ai ml mm -hmm. uh, project relatively simple and then get that out there as soon as possible so it's always business case then pilot and get something on the screen as soon as possible and then as soon as you get that you can have kind of start collecting feedback i think it's really essential to start the process as soon as possible because then you can also drop it quickly, right? Because yeah, especially with AI and ML, one out of maybe one of one out of ten, it's it's gonna be like okay, this is there's actually big value here if we productionize this. The other nine times you want to fail fast and, and drop it as soon as possible. No point uh, wasting so your time on it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And the question you said like. Um, so, for example, so you base it on a few criteria, and then to what point does it need to go that you say, okay, like we drop this um, this idea or this project, or we move towards it into production, uh, and then who decides that? There's usually some kind of CEO uh, involved uh, in the larger larger projects, at least, and usually it's also the AI or uh, AI part is usually part of a bigger product. So like there's some kind of innovate, uh, yeah, some kind of product idea. And then there are some of these more innovative ideas on the side that are, that are just going to be pushed and tried out and piloted uh, until, uh, yeah, until we, you either go on with it or you drop it. But it's the stakeholders like that requested that product from us, they are usually involved. And then there's some kind of steer coded yeah, gives the final thumb up or mm -hmm. thumb down. Okay, thank you. Kenneth, do you want to go ahead with yeah, the question? Yeah, absolutely. Because, uh, uh, P, I thought it was really interesting uh, that you say, well, show value as soon as you can. Yeah. Um, and uh, fail the solutions fast. And I think that is true. And I think that 
is bound to happen in an innovation environment. But I'm curious to uh, what is sort of the acceptance of a failure in, of, of a solution in your organization? Uh, and also for you, Jade, what has been your experience in, in sort of uh, working with things that that fail? Because it has to come up in a process like this. But in other parts of the business, maybe failures are not as common or as accepted as I think they should be in an innovation environment. So I, I'm wondering what what do you how do you solve that? Again, in our in my experience, like if we are dropping some kind of uh, analytic solution because we don't think there's a there's a future or there's enough adoption or there's enough value to be created, then it's usually actually quite widely accepted to drop it. Mm. So nobody mo if you if you come communicated like that like well we got this uh we we had the prototype uh we can't see how it's actually gonna work out most of the management that uh, i've at least uh, yeah talked to or delivered these messages to they then say well great then we're gonna save that money let's put it somewhere else right so so um i feel like it comes down to communication in the Ooh. end uh, yeah uh, and most, yeah, most stakeholders are actually happy to kind of, yeah, if there's, if you drop it for a good reason, it's probably better, better decision Second. than just mm -hmm. keep going down that path. But it is a hard decision to drop it, but it's better to drop it sooner than faster uh, than later. I mean, um, for me, it's also at the stage of going from a proof of concept into production. So it's proof of concept is okay, it shows the value we collected the feedback and everything like that. And now we need to move into production, but that's a whole different story. So um, one of the examples is you build a solution on a separate environment completely than the organization where you extracted dummy data and stuff like that. And you build your solution and then everybody's enthusiastic. And now sort of this island needs to be incorporated in the bigger machine. And then all trouble starts, in meaning in, in how the model is set up. Uh, okay, so now we actually need to use the data instead of the red quality. How do we get it there? Oh, it's built on a completely different platform. And then it then the question changes into, okay, so is it the investment worth it to rebuild it again? Mm. And then then it's uh, yeah. It, it's a great learning to also look into the way of working with innovation. So if we build analytical solutions with data, let's all do it in the same way. So we build upon each other's solutions mm. in the same sort of environment, uh, because this is also what you see a lot now in, in a lot of different companies. You quickly want to build something to show and to exactly also feel fast. But if you're a bigger organization, it also takes time to get an environment, to get the data to to you know, play around or to mm. test with. Um, and that's always a sort of, a, okay, are we going for a fast and then a quick solution to prove that it could work because it might not even work? Or are we going to wait and do it the official way, which is good because when it's a success, it can go, it can go easy into production. But the timelines are usually very different. And then the other parts are coming up like uh, the the way of working and uh, things like that don't know if this is recognizable for you too but um i think that's uh, if we talk not about the beginning of innovation but more about the end of the funnel that's also yeah. um, a great challenge to set it up in a in a good and sustainable way from the beginning so you can succeed in the end 
I suppose this topic, I mean, we mentioned it beforehand, Jade, there was another bit that you wanted to, to add on that flows quite nicely with that. And it's more about how do you balance innovation and experimentation versus hard return on investment um, impact on top or bottom line. Do you want to go ahead with that one? Yes, yeah, so it, yeah, you can measure innovation on return on investment, but that's that's of course how would right that's of course how it should work. But how, how much like how do you manage the stretch of okay, we are really going to invest in this because we believe in it in the long term, or like there's some sort of play field in what you want to achieve with it, but also the amount of stretch you have to sort of be creative in field of innovation that there's yeah. not a, a very clear uh, view on the return of investment from the beginning yeah. but it has a lot of potential yeah maybe i can can i try and comment on that uh, because i think um first off i think you need a sort of a, a patient investor in in uh, in innovation if that makes sense so uh, it has to be the company that you're in has to be be patient in the sense that you can't even if you uh, if if there's a lot of money relatively a lot of money involved uh, they can't expect to have return on investment right away uh, it's also about sort of documenting what you've learned uh, on the way um and and uh, they have to they have to see results but maybe not exactly directly quantifiable in a in a bottom line way um so so i think that's that's important that the the top management is patient uh what we try to do is that we try to translate what we do into um sort of more classic kpis so uh, important kpis in insurance are uh, claims frequency and average claim size so uh, if we help reduce either the claim size or the number of claims that happen that is we try to map into those because the rest of the business understand them uh, and then the result will be less robust than when you compare them to the to a sort of normal uh, normal claims that exist if, if we have a solution that has um, hit a part of the portfolio we will measure claims frequency and average claim in that group and compare it to what has been the experience with the rest of the portfolio uh, in a sort of an A, a and B test uh, sort of uh, structure um, to sort of say this is the value that we that this initiative has created. But of course, our numbers are much less robust than when we compare it to the rest of the business, and we just have to be open about that uh, and saying, well, this is this is has been our experience. We know there can be some inaccuracies or some uncertainties in the numbers but this is this is where we at but then that also comes up I mean, and you can't be anything other than just transparent what the what you have measured uh, and and have a discussion around that and then it's really up to the patience of the the investors uh, of the management team to say whether that uh, that works or not um and if they are happy with sort of you also have to document the learning that you have sort of proven on the way and that's also where so the the idea of uh, if you come up with other ideas that benefit the rest of the business that can also be a part of your value value creation, but it's just a question of how much does that really count for because that's also hard to quantify. Yeah, great points. So last but not least, um, we'll go on to your topic, Pierre. Um, and basically, you've asked how can you foster innovation in today's project and product driven business environment. 
Do you want to go ahead and, and share your thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah, I'm happy to. Yeah, so basically the question is regarding in, in the product environment that we are at least living in, in a large manufacturing organization. At the end, it, like for us, the the winter wines, they need to like be manufactured, right? So these kind of um, more innovative solutions, data science solutions, um, that might require some like yeah some big investment, and that cannot be seen immediately, as you also say, Kenan. They they just kind of often um, yeah are left behind. So we are doing a product, and in the beginning of the product, we are like okay, we also have these kind of ideas that we would like to test while we're doing this new let's say uh, inventory system, right? We have some some ideas that we some more machine learning ideas that we would like to test, and then you start working on the product, and then uh, suddenly, okay, we only have one month left in this uh, uh, in terms of budget. Well, I guess we need to drop the ML stuff. It's kind of like this, this is kind of what we what we experience, a l- yeah, a little bit, or what I I I experience sometimes. There's not enough room for these kind of things. So how can we, yeah. How can we change that and make it uh, not only about the business results, but also about these long-term innovative um, solutions? Yeah, yeah, it's a good it's a good point. Uh, I I used to work I worked uh, in in consulting a few years back, and also we tried to sell uh, machine learning and AI solutions to customers, and usually they would say, "Well, can we just add a reporting layer? I think that would be fine for us." Just to see, uh, just to to measure sort of the the fundamental data rather than doing any machine learning or front end like that. So it, it it wasn't really from a sales point a success. So I can I can totally understand the thing that because the machine learning part is not it's not need to have uh, if unless you can sort of say that the value creation of it is so big that that, that is actually a part of the investment that is having the machine learning layer on, on top but it's easy i can see it's easy to just say well don't uh, don't add the machine learning layer we don't have the budget for it um i think what has been my experience here in this in in this business is that um the reason we do claims prevention is because our previous the CEO and the executive team back then decided that this should be a strategic priority. Uh, and the overall purpose of our insurance company is to, we, we call it, we want to make insurance as we know it redundant. So that means that we want to have claims prevention as a strategic initiative. And that comes from the executive team. And that gives so that the, the patients that, uh, that I mentioned, but also sort of the management buy-in into saying, well, this means that people have to think about claims prevention across the business. Um, and I think I've seen it with, with other sort of types of initiatives. It could be data warehousing or it could be anything. If there is a top manager that says this is strategically important and this is there's so much value uh, hidden in this work, uh, that is an, an important way of opening the doors into, into more... Uh, more investment, but it, and it's really hard if you don't have that type of anchoring at the top. Jade, what are your thoughts on this? I was making a note of it, so um, I have to skip this one. I was uh, reading a few things now. No worries, Per. What do you think of of Kenneth's response there? Yeah, I think I think I I totally see 
uh, yeah, myself or, or my, my experience of what you are describing, Kenny. Mm. So uh, especially, and, and that's not to say like most of the solutions can probably also be solved with just another reporting layer, right? Yeah, yeah. You don't need the ML, like, and you should, no. probably shouldn't, shouldn't do any ML on it. But um, where you, as you say, when it's fully anchored, like in top management, there's like a large inif- initiative on, let's say, um, yeah, increasing quality uh, or something like that. Mm. Then people would start, okay, well, we got this actually like a more in- innovative idea around quality where we see some big potential. And that would probably like then open up ears mm. uh, at the top as well, instead of, okay, there's already the request in for some kind of product and you're just trying to sneak in the possibility yeah. to explore a little bit of uh, um, yeah AI, AI in that context. So I totally see that. And I think it's it's really good insights that... Uh, that uh, I, I think yeah, what you're saying makes sense for. also if there is a sort of strategic uh, agenda already existing and you can sort of document that your machine learning uh, or AI solution solves that or adds value into achieving that goal that would also be a way to go it it can be hard to sort of to to uh, sort of build a whole for a whole new area and saying well machine learning in general should be a strategic initiative for investors that can be a hard sell but if you're saying it will help us increase quality it will help increase sales it will increase revenue because we'll have a better understanding of what I don't I don't know service contracts or something. Uh, then then you would get it would be easier to get uh, buy-in, but you would also translate it into uh, business terms that uh, management would understand. Yeah, and and to add to that, also an example of how should that look like for your specific organization. Mm. So if they have yeah. some sort of better understanding of okay, so this is what it sort of very concrete will bring me, then I understand it. So, uh, and then you can say, this is just one of the multiple things we can do with uh, um, AI or machine learning. Um, But then they sort of can visualize it better. So they will be more likely to give a green light on it. Okay, great. So we'll leave it there for today. I want to take the opportunity to thank all of you, Jade, Pear and Kenneth, for providing some great insights into our topic. Hopefully each of you, I know Jade, you were making some notes there and some of our listeners at home can take something away uh, from today's discussion. Um, So thank you all for listening. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. This has been the Evolution Exchange podcast. See you next time.